KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Ochava. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots rebels, astromech builders, moisture farmers, and DIY pod racers every weeknight at 6 p.m. I'm Eric P. Nelson, taking over for Laura Jones tonight for a special Star Wars edition of the show. If you're wondering why I'm here, it's May the 4th. Like May the Force, but the date. Uh, the pun dates back to the late 1978, was used to welcome Margaret Thatcher in as new prime minister in the UK, and has only picked up steam since then. Tonight, we're going to do some songs, some comedy, and a deep dive into the 1977 classic album by the Rebel Force Band, Living in These Star Wars. But first, some rallies and resources around here in Salt Lake City. Tonight, the Urban Arts Gallery from 6 to 9 p.m. There's a Star Wars art show and cosplay contest. Also tonight at Dave & Buster's with the Geeks Who Drink. It's the Let the Wookie Win Star Wars Quiz. Doors at 7. Quiz starts at 7.30. Um, the Empire Day Parade happening May 20th. Um, also, happy birthday to Ezra Bridger, wherever you are. Star Wars celebration happening Memorial Day weekend um, over in Anaheim, California. If you're going and want to pick up an extra Hasbro, Hasbro exclusive figure, I know a guy who's looking for one. As for all other Star Wars related questions, when in doubt, check the Wikipedia or ask around for Jocasta New. Coming up, though, right here in our backyard, the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival happen happening May 12th through the 15th. As you may have heard, KRCL and Radioactive in particular are part of something called the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, which is a group of 23 new education and media organizations that have come together uh, to better inform and engage the public about the crisis facing the Great Salt Lake and what can be done to make a difference uh, before it's too late. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the role of the lake in feeding and housing migratory birds through the annual Great Salt Lake Bird Festival. Joining me now is Don Paul with the Friends of Great Salt Lake. Thanks for coming down, Don. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, um, so the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival, um, is this, what year is this now? Well, this would be the 24th year. Okay that it's been around, so it's a well-established bird festival in the West. Uh, a lot of people have been coming to it from in within the country and from without the country, and many people locally here. Nice. So, and, and what is the main focus of the bird festival? Is it the birds that are here? Is it um, the Great Salt Lake, or kind of a combination of all of that? Well, it certainly sits at the foot of the Great Salt Lake. So mm -hmm. the Great Salt Lake and its um, bird resources are a main focus uh, of it uh, of, of it occurring here 
along the shores of the Great Salt Lake. It's actually a festival that features uh, many uh, field trips and activities associated with the lake, but it also is a, a, um, a festival that features birding and birds across the Wasatch Front. So there's a plethora of bird opportunities to, to learn and experience and have a good time with. Is this just for professional birders, or is this is this an everyone can join? This is from the person that knows what a robin is <laughs> to the person that knows what uh, Lajulai bunting is. Nice. So uh, it's for everybody. Nice. And in fact, um, the field trips are geared that way, so you can choose. Uh, there are um, uh, this year. I think there are thirty-eight. Oh wow. Uh, field trips that are within the context of the publication that's come out, but I know since there's been a big interest, they've added a few more. Oh, wow. So uh, the best place to do that and find out what else is going on is at the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival website. Okay, and that is greatsaltlakebirdfest.com? That's exactly right. Perfect. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's just a fun way for people in the community to enjoy uh, the the Davis County environment and the other environments around it, as well as uh, to celebrate birds yeah. and, uh, and learn and enjoy them. Yeah. And is it is it all centered on one location at the Great Salt Lake, or is it spread out everywhere? Well, most of the field trips will ha- will have a, a footprint within the east side of the lake. Okay. That's, and the reason for that is that uh, Great Salt Lake has a significant number of wetlands associated with it, and they all are uh, the end result of the major river resources that come into the lake. So most of the wetlands are on the east side. Uh, There will be a field trip, actually. uh, It's kind of a bird uh, aesthetic experience where they're going out to Spiral Jetty, which is up in the north arm of the lake. So Mm -hmm. that'll be, I'm I'm not sure what the, what the, uh, how many of there are still seats or, you know, possible open open spots for that that one yeah but just to answer your question yeah Yeah. it's there are some there's some variability most of the was at front okay nice um and this is the 12th through the 15th so it's kind of a variety throughout the weekend that's right yeah uh, that's the many of the field trips will be each of those days uh the the 12th 13th 14th and 15th which is uh, is that, I think it's a Sunday. I think mm. the fifteenth yeah. is a Sunday, and uh, uh, and so I think uh, the Saturday, the fourteenth, is an open day. Uh, even though there's a lot of field trips where you're going out away from the from the uh, center, the um, Eccles Nature Center, where it's where the focus is on Saturday, there will be a lot of uh, opportunities for people just to come, and be guided on local trails and, and uh, birding that way, some um, arts and crafts, some live oh. bird opportunities to be uh, associated with. So, uh, you know, s- Saturday will be a fun day, and uh, that's from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., so okay. it's kind of midday. So Saturday is kind of the bring the kids day. Yeah, yeah, it is. Nice. Um, so with with everything going on with the Great Salt Lake and, and, and it receding and, and – all of that is that what kind of impact is that having on the birds that we're seeing coming through in their migration well that's really an interesting and a critical question yeah. uh, the Great Salt Lake is a ter- 
what we normally call a terminal lake, which means water comes into it and all the water that leaves it is through evaporation. Mm. So that's why it's salty. It leaves the minerals behind. But it also supports a significant variety of uh, salt-tolerant macroinvertebrates, invertebrates that are used in the lake. And there's a lot of, they're not fish in the lake, so they, they are uh, quite abundant and the res- their, their resources of food uh, is released to birds. So there are a lot of birds there that use those resources that are directly in the lake. And uh, those resources can be affected both in space and in terms of salinity uh, as the lake changes in, in volume. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is a, a critical time. This is the lowest the lake has ever been uh, in recorded history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the lake has in the past fluctuated within 20 feet. Yeah. And since it's a really low gradient bottom, kind of like a pool table, yeah. uh, when evaporation takes place, it, it uh, reduces the size of the lake in a hurry. And uh, that does have an effect on on bird life and and, and access. Yeah. So the the Friends of the Great Salt Lake and the in the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival it, is it trying to kind of shine a light on that to the nation and kind of worldwide the the issues that we're facing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That is the case. Uh, there is a difference. There is a, actually a group called the Friends of Great Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, they're an associate to the bird festival. I okay. mean they 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 participate in it, but uh, they are they specifically uh, have a mission to bring to light uh, the the uh, resource problems, resource needs mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the lake. The festival primarily is a celebratory experience. So okay. Okay. Where it's learning, uh, getting to know, and actually. Uh, I think you protect best what you know best. So from that perspective, uh, uh, it's, it has a conservation element to it, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's, it's, it is a different organization than friends. Okay, okay. I like that, though. You, you want to protect what you know, and, yeah. and education is the key. Yeah, true. So the, the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival happening May 12th through the 15th, um, you can find all of that information at greatsaltlakebirdfest.com. Um, I have one more question for you, kind of a personal bird question. How do I get rid of my starlings? <laughs> well, you know, uh, starlings are, are not indigenous to North America. They are the worst. <laughs> and uh, and um, there are actually a, a, a number of species of starlings in the world. Yeah. And they happen to be some of the most colorful birds. Actually, I, I'm talking about the different species. So yeah. In different places, starlings have a different perspective. And, <laughs> and, uh, and some of them, they're not always like <laughs> that is a problem. But you're right, especially in the winter time, uh, they congregate in large numbers, and they can they can cause havoc with a lot of different pe- a lot of different things, agriculture and our sidewalks and yeah, all and, and all they, over they the take place. Take up the cavities for other birds. That it's yep. not really the it wouldn't be a poster bird. <laughs> not a poster bird. <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you so very much, Don. Um, the Great Salt Lake Bird Fest happening the 12th through the 15th. Um, 
Saturday is the kids' day. The rest is just a bunch it of information. Is, everything is available on GreatSaltLakeBirdFest.com. Excellent. And you can check the show page at krcl.org for links to all of these, the full schedule of events, um, when they're happening, where they're happening, and if there's any open slots. So thank you very much, Don. Um, any opinions on Star Wars? Well, I'm, I'll be looking for the first bird in Star Wars. Oh, oh, I can I, answer I, that. Yeah, so what is it? Um, we've got Porgs. We've got the Corvus Owl. Oh, wow. We've got Varactyls, which are kind of avian reptilian bird. Yeah. So there's there's a couple. There's the... Um, when they were filming the uh, the Last Jedi on an island, they were having problems with puffins all over the islands, and they were trying to scrub them out of all the the film. And they decided, let's just cover them up with digital images, and that's why they created the porgs in the film, oh, the wow. little bird creatures. They just superimposed that on all the puffins and said, "Yeah, we'll just do it that way." Well, so, well, Corbidi is actually a. a genus of birds the the crows right That's exactly yeah. right yep so maybe we can uh, go birding with luke i i i got a couple costumes i could show <laughs> all right so thank you once again um we're gonna head into some full-on star wars now thank thanks you. for coming down all right i'm excited for the bird festival um Here we go. I am trying to queue up what's going on next. Here we go. Gotta get some music going. All right, so uh, Lara Jones asked um, if I wanted to take over the Star Wars show, and I and I said, yeah. So I figured I'd kind of jump out with uh, my relationship to Star Wars. And I think of it, Star Wars is like... It's like food. Um, you don't have to like all of it. And some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Just like food. I, I don't know why olives were ever invented. They are all disgusting. But olives don't ruin all food. I just stay away from them. And, and that's my view when it comes to Star Wars. I love the things I love. And the things I don't love, I stay away from and when I was kind of combing through my comedy archives looking for Star Wars bits and, and things to play, there's a lot of, a lot of negativity around um, certain aspects. And, and I, I wanted to stay away from that, um, unless it's really funny. Um, because when, when you love something, it's, it's okay to poke fun at it. Um, you know, does, does Obi-Wan Kenobi wear a wig sometimes? Yes, he does. Uh, is that really an ice cream maker that Wilro Hood is carrying? It is. Uh, is light speed skipping ridiculous? Oh, 100%. But it's a, it's a fun ride. Um, so let's take a look back. Um, I've tried to condense the Star Wars timeline for, for those of you who haven't really been keeping up. So I'm going to do just kind of rapid, rapid fire Star Wars over the last 40 some odd years. Um, take notes if you want. But uh, here we go. So in the early 1970s, George Lucas writes uh, uh, many versions of the Star Wars story. The movie comes out 1977. The world goes bananas. No toys are made, but kids get a, a fun little gift certificate promising toys in the future. And it worked. 1978, 
the Star Wars Holiday Special shows up. Um, it's not good, but Boba Fett shows up. Uh, 1980, The Empire Strikes Back is released, followed by Return of the Jedi in 1983, and everybody believes Star Wars is over. Uh, but then in 84 and 85, we get a couple of Ewok movies. 87, Star Tour shows up at Disneyland. Um, and then it just kind of starts to go dark. Um, between the years 1980, um, pretty much 84 and 91, uh, in, in the Star Wars circles, these are referred to as the dark times. No movies, no toys, kind of no nothing. And Star Wars got revitalized in 1991 when Timothy Vazan, um, the author, started his Heir to the Empire book trilogy, um, introducing fan favorite Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, and then, 1993, George Lucas announces a new prequel trilogy and once again the world goes bananas um, the prequels come out we got the phantom menace we got um, attack of the clones and then we've got revenge of the sith um, around the time 1999 when phantom menace comes out we get our very very first star wars celebration held in denver colorado home of the official star wars fan club um after the prequels are coming out, once again, the world goes bananas, but now we've got the internet. Um, so it kind of goes bananas in both ways, good good and bad. Um, but after Revenge of the Sith in, Sith in 2005, Star Wars once again is deemed over. Um, luckily, a couple years later, 2008, we get the Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated movie, uh, kicking off a, a lot of really great animation in the star wars world um, 2012 george lucas surprisingly um, sells star wars to disney and just like that star wars is back um, a new sequel trilogy is announced the world once again goes bananas um, the sequel trilogy comes out a um, couple years apart and uh, with each movie the world again goes bananas now with social media so it's kind of all over the place. It's been a fun ride in that time. We've got our cartoons, our video games, our comic books, our live action TV, books, games, a Han Solo movie, a Rogue One. And uh, the next couple of years, uh, just kind of nonstop Star Wars. This morning brings us to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show premiering on May 27th. Do not worry. No spoilers during this show. But at some point in that timeline, podcasting became a thing, and, and there was no shortage of people across the globe wanting to stalk Star Wars at length. And one of those podcasts was the Star Wars Minute, um, where the hosts, Pete and Alex, watched the movies in release order one minute at a time and discuss. Uh, they're very lengthy. It's a great podcast, um, but they used an intro to their podcast, a song that I had never heard before, um, which brings us to kind of the interview that I got to conduct this past weekend. Um, so in preparation, let's play this song and uh, see where, where it all kind of began. So here we go. 
So I hear this song and I say, what in the world is that? Um, I, it, it had to be a, a new a new band with kind of that that vintage sound um, that are j- just kind of putting that together. And uh, I dug in a little bit and I discover that, nope, it's uh, it's officially it's vintage. And it is uh, from a band called the Rebel Force Band. Um, and the album is called Living in These Star Wars. And uh, I I was just enthralled with this whole idea of this album and the fact that it, it, it isn't something that's new. Um, so I, I dug in a little bit more, and I learned that it came out in 1977. At the end of the year, in 1977. Star Wars came out in May of 1977 this thing came out about six months later before star wars was star wars this album was released and i said that is incredible i need to figure out more i dug a little bit more and there was a name attached to the band um, dan whitley turns out dan whitley teaches music up in draper so i reached out um, and, and it it began 
And so, so here we go. We're we're gonna jump into this interview that I had with with Dan Whitley. How uh, this whole thing came to be. So here's the first little clip. I had produced a musical called Open Any Door okay. in Los Angeles. Uh, Mike Wergler worked for Disney at the time, and he was one of their producers. John Neal was the engineer on Star Wars, the first Star Wars. He was at Glen Glen Sound at Paramount Pictures, affiliated with 20th Century Fox. And on the sound stage, we met each other and put together a musical called Open Any Door. It was a regional hit in Los Angeles. We, you know, opened in Glendale, and then we performed at Scottish Rite Auditorium, and then we went to Northern California, and I had a little singing group. I, I originally went to Los Angeles because I joined up as the bass player with the original Letterman with Capitol Records. And so after that tour, uh, Bonnie and I got married, and we settled down, and Bonnie co-authored Open Any Door with me, and so after the, you know, the fluff of it all, he lived across the Ventura Freeway from my house. Okay. And so he said, um, I love what you did with Open Any Door. I want a little tax write-off. <laughs> and if you would uh, be interested, we could, let's do an album together. I don't know what you, you want to produce, but it's whatever you want to produce. Um, I was just going, you know, about things the way I usually did. And I said, well, this is pretty good. I wonder what kind of tax write-off. Well, back in those days, producing an album was at least fifty dollars to $100,000 because studio time in 1975 and 76 was $210 an hour. <laughs> That's at Capitol Records. And I ended up going to Devonshire Sound, and then I, I had my own little studio as well. So I was building a studio and doing my own recording, and I'd just been out producing these records. And in walks a friend of mine from Las Vegas. His name was Gary Waite. Okay. And Gary Waite did not sing on this recording, but he hired me to make a recording of his little Neil Diamond living in the Star Wars. <laughs> and this is the version we came up with the end. This is the end. So we kind of dove into, uh, Dan still has like one or two vinyl copies of this album. So we sat in his basement and, and listened through to a lot of the music. But what I discovered was it, the whole thing started with that phrase, living in these Star Wars, in the vein of Neil Diamond. And the, it started with that and, and, and as a tax write-off. Um, that one just kind of blew my mind. I figured I, in my head, a bunch of friends went and saw the movie, then went and saw it 10 more times, and then dove into the basement and created this album out of out of uh, out of love, but that's not true. Um, it was it was a, it was a tax write off project, and so we kind of went from there to figure out what. And and one of my bigger questions was it's it's a tax write off project. Had you even seen the movie? 
um, how did you get all the information? Because it's it's decently accurate. <laughs> it's decently accurate. Um, so so I asked him wh where he got um, or if he had actually seen the movie. Uh, after doing Living in the Star Wars, mm -hmm. um, I took Danny and the kids to a drive-in theater. So what happened is, is in the Van Nuys drive-in theater, we're sitting with our family. And to make sure that I didn't miss anything, mm -hmm. I put my cassette tape recorder on the speaker and recorded the entire movie. <laughs> and so that all the little catchphrases and anything, that I, and then I just took it home and I said, well, what part of this dialogue might fit in? Yeah. And so I, there was no Yoda. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so we we just went in and did thing on Luke Skywalker, on the, on Darth Vader. We did uh, Chewie. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't do anything on Han Solo, you know, because he was he was. I mean, he turned out to be the biggest star out of the whole thing. But but uh, you know, there wasn't anything to wrap the music around. Yeah. And the and the phrase "May the Force be with you." And, Alderaan and all those names, you know, that's how I got acquainted with all those words. Yeah. When he was talking about rapping songs around, I thought he was going to say he was going to start a Star Wars rap, and I got very excited when he started talking about that, but to no avail. Um, so he had never, he hadn't really seen the movie. Um, he, he went and saw it and recorded it, and just off of a cassette recorder, he pulled out key phrases and key words and said, hey, let's um, craft some songs around all of this stuff. And similar to kind of how Weird Al, yeah, I'm going to bring up Weird Al, um, how Weird Al wrote The Saga Begins um, prior to The Phantom Menace. We'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, so next, I, I was talking to Dan about where you had your keywords, you had your phrases, um, how how did the songs get created? Um, so here we go. Here is my continuing interview with Dan Whitley. All the artists. I would I ran a, a, a band booking agency called Band Aid, and so we would help people get a band. And I had sixteen bands on my list, and so I just called all my sixteen guys and say. I've written all these titles. So I sat down. I had Living in the Star Wars. That's all I had. And I, I came up with titles. I said, how about Don't Fall Off with an Android? I said, that sounds like a good, good title. I said, <laughs> and I said, I love Leah or Leia. Depends on where you come from. Uh, and so we got a, a deal on Leah. And we went out to my band members and said, if you have any ideas, just give me a call. And then Chewy the Rookie Wookie, that was the one that I was crazy about.
that song, Chewie the Rookie Wookie, is kind of where it is a part of my life daily. And without fail, um, two minutes ago at 6.30, that song played on my phone accidentally while I was doing a live radio show. Um, and that what that signifies is it's time for my son to do his chores. Every single day at 6.30, that song plays, and my son knows time to uh, time to do the chores, time to put the stars up on the fridge um, so I can earn my money to um, get Star Wars action figures that somehow someone got for him. Um, so that that song is in my head on the daily. That was kind of the, the hit single. Um, Dan had the sheet music to it. Um, I got some pictures of that. That'll be on the, on the show page as well. But just really fun stuff. Um, and uh, then we just kind of continued with all of these songs on this album. So let's uh, keep going. Let's continue with the title. Oh, yes, yes. A, re- a, uh, a respirator for Darth Vader. I had a little 14-year-old uh, guitar player, Tom Hopkins, and he, you know, wanted to, he wanted to be uh, Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And so he was sitting around messing with his little fuzzy guitar, and we brought him in the studio, and he had a hot lick. Boom. Da-da. Da-da-da. Boom. Da-da. Da-da. I brought him in, and his guitar was in such terrible order that we had to tune it in between takes. <laughs> it was terrible. It was like a $100 guitar. <sighs> and he played that lick, and then we doubled it and put it on. And this and this Jim Mooney uh, was the was the guy here. He was the one who sang the respirator for Darth Vader. All the others were sung by Patrick Michael Matthews. <sighs> and I didn't. I I would have sung them all myself. But because I had a band, but I said, I wouldn't even, I mean, if it, something happened with this, I wouldn't even dare go on tour because <laughs> tour it's so corny. <laughs> and then just years and years and years. So Dan seemed to be worried that this was going to take off and he was going to have to go on tour with the Rebel Force Band if he were to sing all the songs. I think it's a dream come true, but, uh, you know, hindsight, that's kind of how it goes. Um, but but he's talking about having to go on tour with this thing. So the next obvious question is, uh, did was it ever played live? Have people been in the audience for the Rebel Force Band? And if so, where did this happen? So I have a destination when I find a time machine. Um, Oxnard, California. Oh. We, there was a club going out of business, and they wanted to do anything for entertainment. <laughs> anything they, for a buck. They hired us, and then they says, I'm giving you this check for $500, but it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> and so I I ended up playing one gig with these outfits oh. uh, as uh, the Rebel Force Band. We just played. And right now, I'm seriously, I have record pressers that want to repress Star Wars, and then go to the Comic-Con and have this as a presentation. Don't worry, folks. We, we, we discussed things. Uh, calling all musicians, we need to reform the Rebel Force band. 
but but Dan's story is it's perfect for for a Star Wars celebration of, of fan X anything like that it's it's an interesting story um, and, and the costumes I was I was curious um, if you take a look at the the album cover again it'll be in the show notes but I, I was curious how those came together he's like oh, I, I, I produced plays so he had a whole costume department that just put all of that stuff together um, so maybe someday the rebel force band may recreate with some uh, local musicians to play chewy the rookie wookie live i uh, a boy a boy can hope um and where do we go here ah uh, yes kind of the, the big one too and i mean nowadays it's kind of a no-brainer um can you I'm going to write some Star Wars songs. Can I do that? No, you can't. Disney will <laughs> slap you on the wrist. Um, but this was 1977. Um, so, so he had a little story about kind of the copyrights and Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox. And if that approval ever came through, um, right here on 90.9 FM KRCL, you're listening to Radioactive Star Wars Edition. Happy May 4th. Now, I do want to tell you something about copyright, because I learned some things. This, I put a Z on there. I knew I was going to face somebody. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't, then that was fine. Yeah. So Star Wars with a Z. And so finally, I get this phone call from the legal department (laughs) of 20th Century Fox. And they say, uh, what's going on with with this Star Wars thing? You're (laughs) singing about our movie. And I said... Well, I just uh, thought it was fun, and I wrote some funny songs for kids. Yeah. And he said, well, just in case it does something, we would, we would like you to follow some protocol. All of a sudden, they had their legal notice. They yeah. had their promotion. They were on TV for one week advertising it. So they had a TV commercial. <laughs> they got the best write-off they ever had. And here I was just exercising my creativity and having fun. So here I am, Bonwit Records, Bonnie Whitley, that's my wife's name, and we had all this set up. Well, they call me in to 20th Century, and I said, oh, by the way, I mailed a copy to John Williams. <laughs> I wanted to see what John Williams thought about my music. So uh, I got a phone call. I think it was a phone call because they don't text anything, so that's probably what happened. And, and he called me on the phone and he said, I'm sending your package back because, you know, if I hear something, it's gonna end up in one of my music scores <laughs> and you're gonna do stuff that's probably what I'm gonna do anyway. <laughs> so I refuse to look at it, but thanks for sending it and thanks for thinking enough. And he wasn't big. Yeah, I mean, none of this was big at that time. Yeah, yeah. he said, and thanks for for thinking of me and complimenting me by copying some of the ideas that that we had from this movie because the ideas were Lucas films, not mine. Yeah. So then, then, so this, we, we kept these. Yeah. But then we had to repress. So instead of Star Wars with a Z, they said, well, it's Star Wars. Let's, let's tell what it is. So they said original music inspired by Star Wars living in these Star Wars, and very vocal I did it because we kind of sing like the Beach Boys. But this here, newly composed music not contained in the film score from Star Wars, 
and they gave me their logo. The 20th Century Fox logo. Kudos from John Williams himself, who at the time wasn't necessarily the John Williams we know. He was fresh off a couple uh, TV shows. Um, he scored some Gilligan's Island. Um, he scored a couple of the, the uh, disaster films, Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, Earthquake. And he, he was fresh off of Jaws and just starting to work on Close Encounters with uh, Spielberg. And Spielberg said, hey, uh, I'm going to talk to my buddy, George Lucas, and I'm going to re recommend this guy, John Williams, to do Star Wars. And, and that's how John Williams got involved with the Star Wars. And he, and he was uh, hearing uh, the Rebel Force Band in John Williams' music. I, I can hear it. I can hear it. Um, but one of the best uh, costumes I've seen at a, at a Star Wars convention, a guy just had a, a bald cap on and a, and a black turtleneck, and he was John Williams. And it was one of those costumes that was just perfect and made everybody laugh. So if you ever need a, a cheap costume, go as John Williams. All right, so I was kind of wrapping up my interview with Dan Whitley, and and for people that are more interested, there are more stories. I will post the full interview on the Radioactive show page um, later tonight. Um, there's some deep stuff in there I didn't think everybody would be into, um, but but it's it runs about 35 minutes, some really great stuff. Uh, but I kind of ended with asking um, Dan if he kind of ran into any issues or had any hiccups. It was 1977 putting together an album and, and how it all kind of meshed in the end and came together. And this is what Dan Whitley had to say. We didn't have the kind of technology, uh, you know, digital or anything yeah. like that. And so I was really struggling with... Um, how to get the sounds. Well, there was a guy who lived in my neighborhood in Studio City uh, named uh, Brian Cummings. Okay. And he was a voiceover guy. But he could do Chewy Sound. He could do Darth Vader. He did the narration, all the narration. Yeah. That's him. Okay. Long before the wars, there was a man who walked among the stars. He knew the incredible power of the Force. He used it, he taught it, and died to preserve it for the good of all free worlds. I was and curious, so, I was like, is that you maybe? No, but no. No, yeah. no, I just found, and he was just amazing. So I would put the words in his mouth, and, and Lucas would put the words in my mouth. Yeah. And then the whole epic of the, of the film thing you know, and we just do it. And then Stan Seal was my piano player in all the sessions. Yeah. And it's interesting because I got to the point where I was so in love with the project yeah. that we ran out of money. <laughs> so I had a big screen TV back in the days when they had three three projector thing. Okay. I traded it to uh, Devonshire Sound. <laughs> And I said, can I come in from midnight to six in the morning on no mornings you're not using it if I bring my own engineer <laughs> and finish my record? And that was 
absolutely the, the time I needed to really, really finalize everything and get it all mixed. So from a, a tax write-off project to a cassette recording at the drive-in and studio time being traded for a big screen TV, um, that is the, how, how Dan Whitley completed living in these Star Wars. Um, and, and that album and those songs, they live on every time there's a chore to be done or a podcast that needs a theme song. What the, what the future of the Rebel Force Band is, I don't know. Um, do we recreate it here in Salt Lake City? I would love to. Um, musicians, it's in your court. Um, but I want to say a, a big, big, big thanks to Dan Whitley for sitting down with me and with me and, and, and humoring me and my interest in something he put together on a whim 40 years ago. And I came knocking at his door with a bunch of silly questions. Um, but it, it was a great time. Again, I'll be posting that full interview. If you're interested in what Dan is up to these days, he's teaching music and voice lessons from his home studio via Zoom. Um, you can find more information about Dan Whitley at danwhitleymusic.com. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru. With the Subaru Share the Love Season, supporting youth mentorship and environmental stewardship programs. More information at markmillersubaru.com. Huge shout out to KRCL's Board of Trustees, Community Advisory Board, and Hi-Fi members for issuing challenge grants during our spring radiothon. Thanks for everything y'all do. Listener supporters, KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. All right. Um, as that was saying, uh, tonight, stay tuned. Seven o'clock, Democracy Now. Eight o'clock, back into the music with Liz and Rude Awakening. Eight to ten thirty p.m. All the ska and punk music you need on a Wednesday. Followed by Maximum Distortion at ten thirty with Cody D and Forgash. And I'm not gonna let Cody D off the hook. Um, a few years back, when I had my comedy show here in the middle of the night. We did a special comedy edition of Star Wars, and we had a wheel of impressions. And we had to spin the wheel and do the impression. And Cody D stuck around after the show, and uh, he stepped up to the plate. And this is what Cody came up with. Ready, everybody? <laughs> Here goes Cody D, host of Maximum Distortion, doing his best Yoda impression. Let's see. The force is strong with this one. It is. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. that's good. That's all I got. If you've got better, 800-359-9191. That deal still stands. If you've got a better Yoda, um, Cody played along. Thank you for doing that. Um, but I think we uh, we got a couple more minutes, and I think we'll jump into a couple, uh, some comedy. Let's jump into some comedy. Here's some here's some more impressions. We're going to get some impressions from Felipe Esparza, um, Dan Telfer, and then my friends Bob and Doug. Here we go. Here's some Felipe Esparza doing some Star Wars impressions. I saw, I saw this comedian one time. He was stereotyping Mexicans. 
She said Chewbacca from Star Wars is Mexican because his name is Chewy. And he's a mechanic. And he rolls all his R's. First of all, Chewbacca is too tall to be Mexican. If anybody Mexican in Star Wars, is R2-D2. His name sounds Spanish, Arturito. Arturito. He even speaks Spanish, Arturito. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. Any uh, Star Wars fans here tonight? Do a little, uh, got some Star Wars impressions I can do for you. Uh, this is my impression of a sand person, AKA a Tuscan Raider, uh, getting a cell phone call from his wife asking for a divorce while he's shoveling the sand out of his driveway. Sand person shoveling the sand, getting a call from his wife asking for a divorce. Here's another one. Uh, this is uh, Luke Skywalker. Goes to the Burger King drive-thru, orders a quarter pounder with cheese, takes it all the way home, unwraps it, finds out it's a uh, fish sandwich. No. No. That's not true. That's impossible. No. No! Luke Skywalker. Thank you. I want my Star Wars impressions to be special. I don't want to just say it's a trap in a fun, fishy voice. That was uh, Dan Telfer and Felipe Esparza. I think I've got time for one more quick bit. And I think... I'm going to get on some Zashir Zameda. Um, she had a great album a couple years back, and she mentioned Star Wars, so let's do that. Here's Zashir Zameda. I had produced a musical called Open Any Door. I am glad that there are more diverse characters in sci-fi now. It's so great, because it's so important that we see ourselves in the future. <laughs> we, just, we just gotta know that we made it. <laughs> I remember watching the Jetsons and being like, what happened to us? What genocide happened? <laughs> We're not anywhere? <laughs> I watched Star Wars Force Awakens when it came out, and it was so wonderful to see a female character and a black character 
just go on an adventure and there was no mention of their gender or their race. Like, there are no winks to camera, like, she's strong for a girl, or like, wow, that black man can actually afford a drink in this bar, or like, nothing like that. <laughs> it was great, and I loved it. It was a little tainted because when the trailer came out for that movie and the stormtrooper took his helmet off and it was a black man, people lost their mind. <laughs> bunch of racists online being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not my stormtroopers, no. <laughs> All my stormtroopers are white. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> We've never seen them take their helmets off before. They could all be black for all we know. <laughs> it is the dark side. <laughs> That was some Zashir Zameda off her album, Pizza Mind. I've got time for just one more thing, and I said I'd get around to it. Um, I'd get kicked out of my my Star Wars circles if I didn't play some Weird Al. Um, So we're going to get on Weird Al. The saga begins. I said there's kind of a reference to with the Rebel Force Band and and, and the, the, the sameness there. Weird Al had never seen the movie before he wrote that song. Um, he he pretty much dug through the internet at the time for plot points and all of those kind of things just from people digging. Internet sleuths of the late 1990s. And he wrote that song, put it together, and it was done before the movie even came out. He had asked to see an early script and was denied. Uh, but he got got to finally see a charity screening of the film um, before the song officially released. Um, He had to do a couple minor tweaks to it, but not too much. Um, The Internet Sleuths of 1990s um, did a pretty good job uh, of figuring out the Phantom Menace. So uh, we're going to we're going to do Weird Al rounding out the show. Thanks for letting me do this, Lara. Always fun. Here's the saga begins. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas, then met Jar Jar and Boss Nass. We took a bongo from the scene, and we went to feed to see the queen. We all wound up on Tatooine. That's where we found this boy. Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Did you know this junkyard slave Isn't even old enough to shave but he can use the force, they say. Uh, do you see him hitting on the queen? Though he's just nine and she's 14, yeah, he's 
I want to thank Don Paul with the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival for stopping by. More information at greatsaltlakebirdfest.com. And an extra big thanks to Dan Whitley um, for sitting down and talking to me. Again, more information on Dan at danwhitleymusic.com. I'll be posting that full interview with Dan on the Radioactive show page at krcl.org. Um, if you like tonight's show and want to share it, you can listen on demand with the KRCL mobile app available wherever you get your apps or stream online from the radioactive archives under the Community Affairs tab at krcl.org. Questions, comments, suggestions, send an email to radioactive at krcl.org. Again, thank you so much to Lara Jones for letting me do this. Thank you, the listeners, for uh, making community radio a thing and allowing me to do this. Um, I'm going to leave you with two of my very favorite things. I promised I would get this on the air. So uh, here's number one. May the first be with you. That was my daughter. That was take number about 15, but she managed to get it. Nicely done, Elsie. And uh, lastly, I'm going to leave you with my favorite um, quote and impression from my favorite Star Wars character, Lobot.